When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Time to play with pain. Hosted by Emmy-winning comedian and writer Jeff Cesario. Interviewing guests from comedy, entertainment, and sports. Plus, legendary sportscaster Chet Waterhouse. Don't worry, this shouldn't take longer than your average trip to Costco. And now, here's your host... Jeff Cesario. What gets you to a place? Because you come up with uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000 in Minneapolis. This is not something where you went, I'm going to go to LA and create a television show off my heat as this unique performer. It again, just bubbles up so organically. I so admire that. It it just feels like your stuff. Like you were just thinking, man, you know, it would be cool. <laughs> I mean, well, how listen, did it- yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you the story. So yeah, you, you got me right. I mean, I couldn't make sense out of how do you do it in LA? How do you create a show? How do you pitch a show? How do you package a show? Um, using the agency manager system, I couldn't couldn't make sense out of it. I never could um, really get my arms around it. I, um, I, I mean, I had great management, uh, Shanling, uh, God bless him. He was a mentor and yeah, I got to huge for both of us. Time. Got to spend a lot of time hanging out with him and writing jokes with him. And at a certain point, he, he uh, introduced me to Brad Gray, who was his, his manager, as well as, um, uh, Dennis and Bob Saget. Yeah, Bob Saget and Dave Coulier. That was kind of it. And and so he introduced me. So I had really good management, but even Brad and I couldn't like really sort it out. He wanted me to, we think you should open for Cindy Lauper, Joel. It was stuff like that. And I'm like going, okay, but maybe, I don't know. <laughs> so it, it wasn't like we were, we were really connecting. Right. So, so sometimes the gears just don't, the teeth yeah, no. don't quite. Don't I didn't quite have fit. that. I didn't have that. And I wasn't, and I wasn't versatile, versatile enough to like plug in as an actor. I didn't, I, they'd send me out on readings. I just, that wasn't me. I just had right. to do it a different way. And so I quit a uh, stand up and, um, <clears throat> kind of after I'd done a, a really fair couple of years, I mean, my stand-up career was three years long from the time I started in, a, in Minneapolis to when I got done. And I had done a four Letterman or four or five Letterman's four Saturday night lives, young comedian special. And I was in like a, sh- a cup, a showtime special with uh, Denny Johnson. Remember Denny Johnson? Sure. So Great his, guitar he, comic. he booked me. Yeah. He's a really nice guy. And he booked me and put, you know, he kind of had augmented his, 
that's when they were really spending a lot of money on specials. And he'd have like, I think Dice was even in it, like right. Dice was in it and a couple other people. So, um, but now in fairness to the industry, which I've yeah. never said, yes, never fairness. uttered that phrase. <laughs> you yeah. are about as hot as any human can get at that point in three years. You've had an entire stand-up career built around a very unique and organic approach. You're doing these shows. You're you're on Letterman. You're killing. You're crushing. So so they're on you, but they can't figure out how to harness. Yeah, it. like they gonna at best they'll put me in a sitcom, right? And and they yeah. did. I got. Um, I got, got offered, a sitcom? I got offered, yeah, I got offered a sitcom, High School USA, High School USA with Michael J. Fox. So they put me in, Brandon Tartikoff sits down with me and, and, and says, I really want you to do this. <laughs> and it was like, I read this script and it was just like, it, 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 they had got me completely wrong. Like they didn't, <laughs> whoever wrote me in didn't understand my act. It was just. I think they were thinking it was just it was just an afterthought. Yeah, but they were. It was like ten grand. It was a guaranteed. What was it? A guaranteed for six on the air, ten grand uh, episode. And I said no because I didn't think it was funny, and I didn't think I could win at it. Right. You know, I didn't think it would work. And then where I come from, if you have a fan base that's following you, and you screw up on that level you'll lose them they'll just go oh he's not funny anymore okay you jumped the shark right and so i said you were conscious of that you were that was a conscious thought you just went i have earned this more conscious than anybody else because i would see other guys just go and take a fly at stuff and it would fail and and you'd kind of go well you do know that that does have a residual effect for the people who do like you. You will, you will, it will tarnish that if you come out of this and you're not funny. Right. So, so I was really alert to that. I didn't think I could win in that situation and they doubled the money. So it was now $20,000 a show to say a few lines just because I said no to them. Like I knew something, yeah. I just didn't want to do it. Right. He came back and said, yeah, we really want you to do this. We're in the, we're, it's guaranteed six on the air. You'll make $120,000, whether we do it or not. And now it was like, now it was like, okay, now they're fucking with me. Now I, I absolutely have to say no. <laughs> so I did. And I went back and I thought up mystery science theater and, and that was kind of it. But there, there is a little thing. There is a unique thing here that you'll appreciate with Seinfeld that I want to tell you. Um, and he, so Seinfeld, during this time, when I went back to Minneapolis, we were friends and he came to town. And this is at the Comedy Gallery at Scott Hansen's Club. And we we're hanging out. I watched his act. And afterwards, we're sitting around and I'm, I'm starting to tell him what I'm seeing when I'm hearing his act. I'm talking about it. Uh-huh. And he says, uh, you know what? I just got offered my first HBO special. I want you to help me write it. So we started working on it. And over the co- and it was very leisurely, like 
probably we he'd come to Minneapolis or I'd go to LA and we'd work on it. And, um, and it was, you know, his act with kind of, again, this is back when they were just really throwing a lot of money at these, right? So you didn't, you did your standup, but then there was this whole other narrative that could be in there that, that they develop and shoot. And, you know, it was, it was often tiered. Here's your act. And then there's this other tier that and could so that be the teaser tough. for a television show or a character yeah, or and, anything else. And Multi-purpose special. And that was the stuff we I worked on with him and helped him figure out. It was called Stand Up Confidential, and um, and it was a great experience because I was so beat up and the guy from the network process from the end. yeah I was so beat up after the the thing with Brandon Tartikoff and and leaving and not knowing what to do and working with Jerry. um, He's so um, he's very centered, right? He's very centered and very motivated. And so, and, and his ego, he, he did when it comes to writing and that he has no ego. So just like the perfect guy for me to be spending time with and so talented. So he really had a lot to do with me wanting to get back into it. So I pitched him a science fiction movie for him. And uh, he looks at it and goes, uh, this isn't for me. This is for you. And, and that's when I said, oh, right. I'm, uh, I'm writing stuff. Obviously, Seinfeld's not a science fiction guy. As far as you can get from that, right? Yeah. And so, um, and so I realized that's true. And then maybe I had a show in me and maybe or a movie that, that, that I was going to do. And so that was right around when I was working on MST and the idea of merging these, what I thought would be public domain movies with riffing and kind of that so he had a really big at this critical time he just did this really clever thing where he said this isn't for me this is for you you're pitching your idea to me you're giving me your idea but it's not the right fit it's really so yeah he's so pure when it comes to the comedy uh was the same way seinfeld was absolute direct straight to the vein comedy he never messed around comedy was always the bottom line i could see him in a room with you going this isn't for me this is for you you should yeah. be doing this i'll i have a mini story that's exactly like that i i as you know just at some point realized i love to write jokes for anybody or anything yeah. to the point where it would irritate people because i would come up to them afterwards not knowing it might be something they didn't want and i would go oh that was so cool i love that joke i had a tag or an idea you know just because i was so enthused and I would write fat jokes for Louis just because he, you know, he was going through them and he needed them. And I wrote a joke. Um, and I told Seinfeld, I wrote a fat joke for Louis. Uh, uh, when I go camping, the bears put their food in the trees. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Seinfeld uh-huh. goes, you gave that away. <laughs> and I go, well, yeah, I'm not fat. And he, he goes, two words, fat cousin. That's all he said. <laughs> he, he was literally upset for me. Jerry was was the the guy who famously said to Scott Hansen, eat, (laughs) 
You've eaten. <laughs> yeah. When Scott, um, Scott suggested to go going out to eat after a show. You know, he wanted to go to Rudolph's, right? Yeah. To go to the Rudy's. barbecue place, yeah. Let's go to Rudy's. <laughs> and um, Art Songs is still open. Get <laughs> a bucket of beaks. Everyone, Dana Gould started doing them like this. Go to Rudy's. <laughs> Um, but anyway, um, <clears throat> yeah, so God bless Jerry Seinfeld. I'm going to miss him. He's still alive. Hey. Goodness, he's still with us. Yeah, but we have that bite for when, you know. Yeah, it's right. <laughs> you don't have um, to jump. So so, that, so the whole so thing comes it, together, and then it, it launches. Back. Now you're doing it. And we're doing it locally. I did it on a local TV channel in Minneapolis. And um, <clears throat> with the idea of at a, at a certain point, I knew that if it was a good enough idea, it would, it would kind of, it would kind of congeal into something that I could then make a show out of it. And so, um, so then we did a, around 20, uh, 24, 25 shows locally on a little UHF channel. And by the time we were kind of hitting the wall there, um, you know, this is again that connection through Seinfeld, but I met Stu Smiley working on Seinfeld special. And then Stu Smiley had just got picked to be the 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 head guy at Comedy Channel. Right. Comedy Which was Central. the pre- precursor to Comedy Central. Yeah, it became Comedy Central. And so I knew Stu and we liked each other. And he was the guy I got in touch with when I had this cut together a cell tape for MST and it was pretty magical. It was like I went to New York and sat in a room with him and he, we ran the tape and he got while it's running, he's getting on the phone and he's asking for copies of the tape and he's calling everybody and saying, I have something to show you. It was like happening right around me with wow, MST. That's exciting. Yeah. So, and it was just being in the right place at the right time. And, you know, it was all from MTV where everyone, <clears throat> you know, they realized that, oh, well, MTV does this with mu- music. We're going to do this with comedy. Right. That was the simple premise. And so we were there right at the beginning and um, they wanted us to move there and we wouldn't because it was a puppet show and the ceilings were too low and we just didn't want to get <laughs> in that. And so we just insisted that we stay in Minneapolis and the budget we were able to carve out wasn't very much, but for us, it was a lot of money and Minneapolis went a long way and we had a light industrial space. We turned into a studio and we'd get like orders of 22 a year. And I was, I, I stayed with it first for five or six years. And then I had a falling out with my partner and I left, but I still, you know, participated with the success of it. And then, um, I and finally now you're doing it. Around. Yeah. You I got did. to come around and, and, and start it up again. So six, seven years ago, we did it. We, it ran, it had a nice long life, 11 years, 11 years on TV. And then we brought it back six, seven years ago with a Kickstarter. And now it's on Netflix. And, and now we have our own streaming, we have our own platform called the Gizmoplex, where got about 30,000 people help us put it together you know we raised seven million dollars to do new content and to do a um to have our own server you know our own basically netflix you know and that's another thing you were always like 
on the edge of that stuff. And I'm not going to say cutting edge. You were just at that place where just mentally you understood all of this tech stuff. <laughs> well, <laughs> like, I didn't, but there was no place else for me. I didn't understand it. But, but it was so I, great. I, and and I just wanted to get out of the rain, man. <laughs> no, I, I wanted to get contacted like I, you guys were. Before I forget, you thought a period Letterman first burned Louie and everybody <laughs> <laughs> you were oh, doing a TV show yeah. and you were able to shoot it in Minneapolis. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We're just saying, how did he do it? Yeah, and that was back at a time. Jermaine didn't, <laughs> didn't take to that. Jermaine didn't cotton to that. Yeah. That was back at a time when, and this is one of the advantages of the evolution of man let alone of stand-up of the evolution of mankind is it was so brutally competitive back then i still have that in me sometimes i i learned very early not to let that out because i have enough problems looking like i'm angry on stage when i'm not you know <laughs> so right. so i had to, i had to kind of cop to that but um you know I, I will still walk in a green room someplace and go if i'm on my game I'm as funny as anybody in this room. You know what I mean? <laughs> that thing is back in my head. Oh, That's dude. leftover it's from that era. And nowadays true. they don't have, they, they have, they have bred that out. I believe yeah. to a large extent, which is good. I think. Yeah, no, they're much more supportive now. And, and at its best, um, I mean, I remember I was a, I was a comedy store guy. I didn't, I didn't do the improv. I was a comedy store guy. And, and when you're there and it's everything's all the pistons are firing and you're at the back of the room and you're up in a couple of slots and it's like surfing. It's truly like surfing and you're watching each other doing it because the audience is a thing that you can kind of identify. You can identify, like you said, with the, with the comedy competition, you, 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 you sized up the audience and you're, you were exactly right. Somebody did a really good job promoting that really good. It was packed. It was like at the Riverside. Remember that? Yeah. At the Riverside, which is a giant banquet place might've hold held 800 people. It was like a happening. It was really yeah. wild, but it was surprisingly well attended. And you read that crowd and that's what the gig is, is you're listening and you're kind of going, how do I enter? How, how right. do I paddle out and get this wave, right? <laughs> right, right. And, and that was at its very most fun. But again, that's competitive. That's your yeah. the way you're being perceived is directly related to the, the last couple of guys that, or women that went up. And what you're doing is a little accent and an acknowledgement, but then you, you then work the crowd, you then work it, work the room, make it happen. And, and the ideas you left, you improve them for the next guy. They're actually better now. They're hotter. now. And the guys that you had to walk out, watch out for were the guys who would didn't mind damaging the audience. Didn't mind if they were in a bad mood to kind of let it go down because they were, they didn't care. And so right. that was the liability issue. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's like Louis writing would, comedy Louis insurance. Would, Louis would do that. Louis would do that. If he was in a bad mood, he'd take it down. He just like, he didn't care. Like he did not need to do well each time because he knew he was. He was great. Was yeah. Really great. So, but that was the thing. And I loved it. Like, and I think when you and I talk about it, we're just like, I think I'm just so grateful that we were there and we were present and ready and had enough, not so much talent, but ambition and being willing to work because both yeah. of us really worked. Yeah. And some guys don't, some guys were just charmed. Some guys just were naturals and, they could go to movies in the afternoon and party all night. And but right. I, I know you and I didn't do that. And I'm really no. grateful. Because <laughs> yeah. We're still alive. We're still alive, man. Look at us. What is we're the difference? When you, I, I want to hit some of these quick, quick beat ideas that, that I like to get to with it, with the group yeah. guest at the end of the show. But, but before I do, you're actually doing MST 3k live now at theaters right are you do are you still oh, doing yeah. are you we've going done, out live and yeah. doing live shows? Done, how does that compare that's got to be a different vibe because you have both of those gears you can kill in front of a live crowd and then you can take it to a quiet studio in a suburb in minneapolis and know you're creating the laughs in the right spot without any real input from a live crowd now suddenly you're taking that beast that you created in the bird's nest and putting it in a theater with 2000 people. Yep. Yeah. It's um, Did those well, muscles just sync up. Well, you never, I mean, the way I treat it is because of the way MST is, is made, there's so many riffs in it. We don't even call them jokes, right? Cause right. a joke would put too much pressure on it <laughs> and it's a riff, right? So right. sometimes it's, a little spice or a little noise or a reference to something. So we, I kind of found a way to take the stress off by just, we do an abundance of riffs. There's 700 in a show. Wow. And so wow. now when that goes in front of a live audience, it has to cut way back because they are, they're going to laugh and the art of it is. Wow. So you have, have to. Minutes, I have two minutes. There's two minutes and there's 20 riffs in there. But if we get good laughs, that's going to eclipse the setups and the, the payoffs for like a couple of jokes. So the art of it is laying out um, while they're laughing. You can't because we have it's scripted. Right. So right. you stuck really spe specifically to the script. You start talking while they're laughing, which as you know, as a standup, you do want to do because it's like a clock, right? And right. You don't want to. You don't want them to stop laughing. You want to start the next joke while they're finishing laughing. Yes. It's this feeling of abundance, right? And that's what you want. And so, MST is like that too. So when they, when the live audience laughs, and you have a couple more riffs to do, you just have to drop it and and act like there's nothing there. And that's what's happening. It's decaying. It's collapsing and rebuilding it quickly and not, not behaving like, oh, shit, I had a really funny line that. that right. Because it's time to the movie. And yeah. You like the lovely thing, the thing that I grew to really appreciate about stand-up is you control time completely. I'm telling <laughs> you the story. 
I'm letting you laugh. I'm, I'm starting up. I can start and stop whenever I want with MST. It's just locked into. Yeah. Right. So that's, that, it's kind of like I describe it. Like it's a reality show built on top of a movie. So you have to be willing to kind of stop and start what you're doing. If the audience is reacting, which is what you want. You want them laughing. What so. a tremendous process. I imagine at it's uh, at the start, it is genuine riffing while you're watching the movie yeah, for the first it's super time. super uh loose and you're with you wow. you know you have a, a great writer's room people That's you it. like and you yeah. trust and yeah it's it's like it is right it has to be um you just have to start right you just have to start and then you start yeah. kind of adjusting as you go and that's the trick is not being afraid to start and not and just it's a great it. combination of improv using stand-up muscles uh, because like you say it's a lot of riffing and then taking something somebody said and spinning it out as a stand-up would but then allowing it to spin into something visual that could tie back into the movie it's wild it's it's thank it, man yeah we do it unbelievable with passes and yeah it's like you try to springboard off the dialogue and if there's no dialogue you springboard off the picture and so but yeah it's um now it's, is josh weinstein with you i mean there, there's yeah, yeah there's, josh there's, oh, yeah. we did uh um, josh is working so, on on yeah your your stuff yeah so for example you were asking about the live tour so we've done four live tours um my last one was my farewell tour which happened right before covid so that was a hundred city live tour so that's all a done hundred city wow. yeah we did a hundred city live tour and then this um the latest cast went out and it was during COVID. So it was more truncated. I was uh-huh. probably, um, I would say it probably went about 10, 10, 14 weeks, I guess. And so that was the last one. And that's our new cast. Cause we have a new host. So we're on our fourth host. Now wow. she has her own cast that she works with. And we just did a premiere, um, on Friday night. So that's our thing with the gizmo plexes every other week, there's a live event there. So it's like, it functions, it functions kind of like, um, kind of like Netflix, but there's these built in live events that the group watches together. So we did that on Friday and Josh was in it. Josh played Dr. Lawrence Earhart and he reprised his role as Tom Servo and he wrote on it too. So we did that event last night. That's fantastic. You are, I'm going to go deep on the reference. You're the hipster Rob Becker of defending the caveman. You you have figured out a way (laughs) to now there's hosts all over the country. (laughs) Yes. Yes. It's true. Um, I want to, yeah, exactly. That's what I, that's my, what I'm aspiring to. And, and, um, I wanted to mention Lee Schmidt, who's another cat yes. from that time, who's a friend of ours, who who kind of alerted me to the article. We're just like, he was this guy, he was in advertising, and he was one of those advertising guys that was genuinely funny. Yeah, here's and- how hot Minneapolis was back in the early 80s. All the advertising people were actually funny. You, yeah. you, you know, they, they came in with good ideas. I still, for decades after that, I had made connections and did radio spots or TV yeah. ads 
for people from there because they thought funny. They wrote great copy and there was zero problem figuring out where the laughs were. Yeah. Yeah. That's how hot the scene was. Yeah. And you had people like Lee Schmidt. Lee was great. Look at real serious, like, I have to be able to deliver. And so, and he was just motivated that way. He's, uh, he actually has some amazing stories. Uh, He told me about, he was one of these guys in college who drove out just before he even started to check out the scene in LA and go to the clubs. And he saw Letterman in a club and he said something that blew my mind that Letterman did jokes to the audience while he was walking up to the stage. Like he had a deliberate <laughs> joke he would say. Like, that's amazing. Like nobody, wow. I never heard of that. No. But he would just lay out a joke for the people who happen to be able to hear his voice as he walked past them. Right. And I, and it just made me go, God, that's like brilliant you know yeah. what I mean so he's just a Lee's a student and um and also really funny but he's he's a guy that is from our generation in Minneapolis and we're always talking about the you know what's happening and yeah and also what 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 it was all like doing that and he took the path of being into advertising he's real good at it yeah so now uh let, let's dive into a couple of things I love to talk about. You have so much experience as a live performer in uh, both doing a stand-up style act, uh, doing uh, Mystery Science Theater live. You have so much experience. You've already touched on it essentially with the uh, the, the the weird sitcom offer from Brandon Tartico. But what is what pops in your head when you think worst gigs? When you think, oh, mm-hmm. oh my God, that was a gig. I would either never go back there and never do that again. Or the experience was so bad, it became hysterical, sort of conceptually. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I um, I hurt someone in the audience. <laughs> and, uh, and it was real. It, I almost passed out. I almost passed out on stage because uh, of uh, the grief and the inability to understand what to do next. <laughs> and, That's true. Uh, if you're in an emergency, probably the last person you want is a comic. <laughs> oh, geez. And so I was at the Comedy Magic Club in Hermosa Beach, which is a wonderful gig. Yeah. It was just the, the, best. the best. Great food. Uh beautiful, beautiful, uh, waitresses and, um, and great acts because everyone was happy to drive in. Yeah. You were treated well. So it was worth the hour drive. It was like leaving LA because LA was tough because there were so many comics and everybody was starving for, to get stage time. And, um, and so anyway, I'm doing, um, I had, I had, this is a period after I'd stopped doing come, I think I was, or I was just, a, I can't remember. I was, I was, I, I don't know if I had quit doing standup, but I still had a lot of ideas and I still had a lot of things. So I kind of did a big brace of stuff of ideas. And um, I did a show with Jake Johansson, who's a great, great fan. Yeah. 
And so we did a show together, uh, I think a week at Comedy Magic Club together. It was like called Jake Joe Hodson, right? (laughs) So we would take turns opening or closing, right? Right. We'd take turns. And um, Comedy Magic Club, and I had that freaking leaf blower with the party blowout thing (laughs) on it. And the party blowout thing at the end has a little strip of aluminum that kind of kinks keeps it together yeah and um and i'm doing the bit and traditionally the physics of it is is i blow inflate it up in front of everyone and it kind of drops down and everyone like a beach ball puts their hand up if it's coming down and this guy just points his face at it and pow it hits him right in the tooth it hit them right in the tooth and he starts like, full, and he's a huge man. He's a huge, perfect human being. <laughs> you know, the beach culture, right? Hermosa Beach. Right, Just yeah. These winners, these freaking perfect people and a beautiful girlfriend. And she says, oh, my God, you chipped his tooth. And then she says, and he hits hard. Oh, wow. That, that almost sounds like a setup. Like, I know, well, and I'm trying like to... people who rear-end you on the highway. You know what I mean? Yeah, it yeah. sounds I'm like that. I'm trying to save it. I'm trying to get beyond it. And I said, how would you know? <laughs> right? <laughs> That's I'm a trying. great... <laughs> I'm trying. Right. I know I'll never get out of this. And then... They Mike Lacey comes flying in. They shuttle him out. I'm like, just like limping through the rest of my. Oh my path. god! Oh god! Oh, not funny. You hurt a man with your stupid <laughs> props. Well, who else are you going to hurt? Like, what's going to happen? So, I just who's next. <laughs> yeah, who's next? And so I couldn't sort it out. I couldn't regain my composure. Oh I god! Oh, that's awful fix it it was just slogging through and then let jake johansson kind of fortunately i wasn't closing so right he closed and of course his bulletproof great stand-up like just could dial it in and um he did a great job but that was the one and i still feel oh my it in my yeah gut. like that moment like i really almost I really, really almost fell over because of the stress. And I, yeah, yeah. I just couldn't, you know, because because as a stand-up, it's built very slowly, your confidence and your persona and the way you feel and you get really strong at it. But the second someone's life or or well-being is threatened because of something you did, it it just becomes a sham. It becomes like well, you're not funny in the least. In fact, you're dangerous. You know, you're, you you shouldn't be around people. You don't deserve to be with us, right? So it's funny. It's I'm I'm booking this show. I'm doing this oh, show God. in um in um in August at a magic convention. So uh, Abbott's Magic is the magic sh- the magic that uh, the magic catalog that I used when I was a kid. It's in Colon, Michigan. Had a giant catalog, and I bought all my magic stuff. Sure. And so I'm I'm putting together this show for Wednesday night, 
and kind of like a tribute to Abbott's. And we're kind of going to show some of the classic props and demo them and all. Right. Right. And I'm, and the guy, um, they just kind of say, we booked a juggler. (laughs) It wasn't anybody that I picked and, and we've been talking, he's a really nice guy, but they just kind of handed me this. We booked a juggler (laughs) and he starts right away by, saying he uses like tasers in his act. <laughs> and I'm sitting there going, it's it's just like, I'm sitting there trying to trying to like make sense out of it and, and wondering, am I just too old to kind of find that captivating? But I think that's the reason why is because I actually have had it all fall. It wasn't funny yeah. anymore. Right. It all fell apart. Someone got hurt. Thank goodness we were able to solve it. But but that's what the thing you're not thinking of when you no. are doing these kind of and and again it's that but you can't something. think about it. You have to have yeah. an invincible mindset because as you pointed out incredibly accurately earlier, you are in control of everything when you were on stage. And the slightest perception that you are not in control creates an energy in the room that will dissipate laughter instantaneously. Yeah. And so you have to maintain control. And so then something goes out of your control, which you had not even ever experienced, which is this has never malfunctioned in that way before. Um, and, and I can tell just by the way you mimed it, that you still believe the guy kind of leaned into it a little bit. <laughs> I can tell just by the well, way you might have. Well, no, like, I, I guess I'm saying what idiot sees something coming towards yeah. him and smiles at it. Yeah. And, and like thinks that, that there's no uh, physical liability. So yeah. I'm yeah. a little baffled by that, but at the same time, it's not his, it's not his responsibility. He paid, all he did was pay his ticket. He just wants to have a few drinks. The, the power that. of your comedy defied physics <laughs> for this guy. Oh, he said, God, the laws of oh, physics I'm don't carrying, apply. I'm carrying it to this day. I can I feel it. I can feel it to this day. The I feel your pain. We got to go. But before we do, um, uh, again, uh, I'll give you the option. It, advice corner or travel tip? What do you think you have that you like? That you Oh, want? sure. I'll do the advice thing. That's my favorite thing. And, and it's as simple as so for anybody thinking about getting into. Yeah, I think it's that thing where, um, and, I, and I really got to say, I really admired the way Jeff did it too, because the way you did it, Jeff, is because is we knew we had to work it. We knew, you know, there's talent, but then there's just the eight hours that you, like, that's what I did when I started. I just said, hey, all my friends are working it jobs they don't care about for eight hours i'm a stand-up i'm going to give it eight hours a day easy yeah so that means if you take the time you go up on stage if that's an hour you go down to a club right and the rest of the day is work on the act either do work on a booking art whatever or writing or building stuff in my case Mm -hmm. so that was my mo um it's grow where you planted. You don't got to go like Minneapolis was the place. And if you can make nice, normal people laugh or entertain them, then you go 
to the the uh, most exciting cities in the world: Chicago, right. L.A., you know, San Francisco, New York City. Yeah. But I always like there are always people who said, "Yeah, I'm going to go to New York and then start my stand up act," and those people <laughs> always crumble. And right. you know, so so I'm always kind of more of that that mindset. But that's my advice: is just if you want to do stand up every chance you get do it and or try to like amuse people and entertain them yeah and and the more normal they are the more average they are and if you can make that work the better and i would add to that only this because you're the greatest example of it uh um be true to whoever you are just it, it just whatever you think is funny Try that, or at least try that first, and, yeah. and see, see if you can't make that. And, and the greatest example of it, and, and I'll tell this: we I, we shared this the last time we talked. Was uh, we had to do a gig down in Rochester somewhere, and I was oh. I was driving, and uh, there was a couple guys in a car and me, and it was a f- four comic show, and um, and Joel was the other comic. It was one of the first times I think we actually worked together. And it was winter and I pulled up to your house in Minneapolis and the other guys were already in the car and it was me. And we're just waiting. So I honked on bit, bit, and we're waiting. We're figuring you're going to come out and nothing. We don't, we don't, we don't see you. And then five minutes later, I hit the horn again. A couple of minutes later, I hit the horn again. Still nothing. Five minutes in the guys in the back are like, what's going on? I go, hang on. I'll find out. So I go get out of my car. I tromp through the snow. I get up to your door. I knock on the door. You open the door. You say, come on in. I come in. And your whole act is laying on the living room floor. And you just look at me and you go, am I doing 20 or 25? And the whole thing locked in for me right then. I went, I got it. I I got this guy's process. (laughs) It was so brilliant. So whoever you are, wherever you are, uh, if it's funny to you, give that a try. Joel, thank you so much. Hey, cheers, man. Great for to coming see you. On. And you. Uh, we can follow you on Twitter at Joel Hodgson, correct? I, mean, I, haven't, I haven't been on social media but lately, but uh, all my Where news, do we get you? Yeah. Where, all where? my news is on mst3k.com or gizmoplex.com. And again, to reiterate, if you're an MST fan, you got to check it out. I got to do a plug here. So let's. Yeah, see. please. Like, the plug is. Season passes are available. You get four, uh, you get 13 new episodes that we're making right now, 13 new shorts, 52 uh, live events, and also hundreds of um, classic episodes are available free in the Gizmoplex. So those are all the things you get. But if you like MST, check it out. So MST3K.com or Gizmoplex.com. Yeah. Perfect, man. Thank you so much. For all right. Me. See ya. Thanks, man. You got it. See you. Uh, Folks, uh, follow me on Twitter at Real Jeff Cesario. My album, What Was I Thinking? Streaming everywhere. Play with Pain Mugs, available at jeffcesario.com. So go to jeffcesario.com. I got some dates coming up. I'm just putting them together, including Comedy Magic Club. So uh, I'll post those as soon as I get them. And uh, Chet, what do you got cooking this weekend? This weekend, I'll be in Hell's Falls, Virginia for the He-Man Jenga Regionals. The Jenga logs are actual railroad ties. Look out for Termite Tower and the one-on-one fire pit sponsored by Cramden Yards, where every home run goes right to the moon, Alice. This is Chet Waterhouse reminding you to play with pain.